First thing you need to understand about Daniel is that Daniel is a young man. We don't know how young a man he is. He has to be under 20 years old. He's around 20 years old. He's probably in his late teens, but he's a young man. And he's a young man with Hananiah, Michelle, or Azra, which y'all know better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's a young man with them. And he gets carried away. His land is destroyed. And he gets carried away by Nebuchadnezzar. And the children are carried away. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to take these children. And he's going to raise them up. And he's going to try to make them smart and use them. Because there's something about these Jews that God has blessed. Amen. And he knows it. And he brings them in. And he brings them in. You see how the world there, at the Babylon here by Nebuchadnezzar is the top of the world. And it says there in verse 3, in the middle of verse 3, it says, And of the king's seed and of the princes. You're of the king's seed, guys. You're of the king's seed. You're a, you're a seed of the king. You're a born-again Christian. That's you as a child of God. So every, as a type of the child of God, you are the king's seed. You're, you're a child of the king. And this, that's what Daniel is here. He's a child of the king as he goes through here. And what you need to notice first, look, look at verse 4. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and to whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. The world wants you to conform to them. The world is all about conformity. Conformity to the way they think. Conformity to the way they talk. Conformity to the way they diet. Their diet. Conformity to the way they eat. They want you to conform to them. The world is all about conformity. Everybody should be unified. And conformity is what the world's all about. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar is going to do. He wants them to conform there at the end of verse 4. And whom they might teach the learning. He wants them to conform to their way of thinking. And that's what the world wants you to do. You know, I was reading this book by William Grady, my brother Bill Grady, and he's writing this book. And in the book, he had this quote. He says, Americans are all about buying things they don't need with money they don't have Amen. to impress people they don't like. Amen. And man, I read that and I said, man, that's really good, brother. You know, that's true. You know, we all know people buy stuff they don't need. I do that too sometimes. And we all know people buy things they don't need with money they don't have. That's why we all have credit cards, or we shouldn't all have credit cards. But that's why the world has credit cards. But thirdly, it impressed on me that he says they're buying all this stuff for, to, to impress people that they don't like. <laughs> and it never, it never occurred to me. It's like, why are you trying to outdo the Joneses when you don't like the Joneses? You know, you got this neighbor you can't stand, but you try to bring in a car so they'll be like, wow, that's an impressive car when you pull up there. And you don't even care about them. You got to think about this. Stuff. And that's what the world wants you to do. The world has got that kind of mindset and puts you in that kind of mindset. It wants you to, com to conform to the way that they think and to the learning. They want you to conform to the way you think. They want you to conform to the way they think about church. They want you to conform to the way they think about God. Oh, God would never do it. God would never send a hurricane on there. And they, they will argue with me till they're blue in the face. They want you to think about the way they feel about God, conform to the way they think about church, conform to the way they think about morals, what's morally right and what's morally wrong. They want you to be politically correct. And if there's somebody who comes in here that's not a born-again Christian and they tell me how to run a church, that's the opposite of the way I'm going to run the church. I'm not going to conform. I'm a nonconformist in every sense of the word. I love to be a nonconformist. If you come in and tell me to do something, I want to do the opposite. 
And that's just the way I am. And that's the way we should be as Christians. Because if the world's telling us how to think about something, I'm telling you guys, that's probably the opposite of the way you should be thinking about it. They want you to conform to their way of thinking. They want you to, and it's a weird way of thinking and doing things. In a weird way. In what way, brother? It's weird when you have a Bible in your lap. It's weird just from 20 years ago. Reading this article on there, and this is the way the world thinks. The White House is bragging. Our wonderful White House in Washington, D.C., they're bragging because now they've added a transgender bathroom. So now you got a, a men's, a women's, and then a transgender bathroom. And they're leading the way. The White House issued a statement. They're leading the way in, the, in protecting the rights of the LGBT community by giving their own little weird old bathroom. And the way they're thinking, they're really helping these transgenders out by giving them a bathroom. No, they're not. They're helping me out. Because see, if I go to the White House and I have a, a niece with me or something, and my niece goes into that bathroom or my wife goes in that bathroom, and one of those weird sickos thinks they're going to go into the women's bathroom, uh-uh-uh. Amen. That's my right to protect my niece. It's my right to protect my wife. If one of these men come in there with a dress and has hairy legs on it, I'm going in the women's bathroom. No, you're not. Not until my wife comes out, then you can go in there. So you would punch him, Keegan? I would punch him with the power of the Lord. I'd punch him. To protect my wife? Get out of here, man. I'm not conforming to their way of thinking. They're strange, man. They're weird. And they're, we're going we're gonna to help them out. No, you're helping me out, so I won't get thrown in jail. Because they'll throw me in jail. Then it'll be, pastor beats up, poor homosexual. You know, they'll have a picture of me, you know, unshaven. <laughs> You know, like that, and they'll have me on the front thing, and, and everybody will have me on the NBC, ABC News, how Christians are so mean and wicked and everything else. And I'm just there protecting my family. Amen. See, this is how I'm a nonconformist. If I was to make a bathroom for tra transgenders, it'd be like a trap door. But we do for these hogs, they would they go in there, ha, 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 and they close the door, and the bars come down, and I'd wait till I get about twenty of them, and then I'd fly them out, and then you can just guess what I do with what when I got them out there. That's how I think. Amen. That stuff's sick. That stuff's sick. That stuff's weird. That stuff gives me the creepy crawlies. That's not the way I like to think. I don't like, I don't think like that. My Savior didn't think like that. And I don't want to live in a world that thinks like that. And if you're going to try to force me to start thinking like you, you got another thing coming because it's not going to work. Amen. I'm too stupid to change. I'm too stupid to think that's cool. I've just got enough of the Holy Spirit into me that that stuff makes me, uh, gag. <laughs> I mean, it makes me sick. If you got any kind of sense, you'd know better than that, that garbage right there. But nobody has no sense. And that's what the world wants you to do. They want you to conform to their way of thinking. They want you to conform to their way of talking. See that? You must teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. They want you to... Here's the way the world likes to talk. It's no longer... You're no longer a pet owner. You know that? You can't be a pet owner. Because nobody can own a pet. That's a sweet special... Now you're a pet guardian. Guardian. You're a guardian of that little sweet godly animal. Nobody can own an animal. You just guard it. You just, you're just a guardian of it. But that's the kind of way the world wants you to think. It's all about political correctness. You've got to speak politically correct. I have a hard enough time speaking English. You can't talk me into learning all these new words. It's no, brother, brother Ronnie knows this. It's no longer being a fireman. It's a firefighter. 
It's no longer being a policeman. It's a police officer. You're no longer a chairman. You're a chairperson. They can't have. It's, they got to be politically correct about everything that comes out of their mouth. And it's about. I've got about here with it. I'm about sick of it. I don't like that. It's no longer a dump ground. It's a sanitary landfill. Here's one I don't like the way they want us to think. They want us to talk. They want us to talk like that. And it's no longer, uh, you'll be in my prayers. You'll be in my thoughts. They change from prayers to thoughts. What does a thought matter to me? I don't care if I'm in your thoughts. Pray for me, you know? These people are crazy. They're cool. You know what? I'm, hey, I'm smart enough, though, to know this. It was global warming. It was global warming. It was global warming until we had some of the worst winters we've ever had recorded in the history of mankind. And all of a sudden, it went from global warming to climate change, climate change, climate change. You bunch of hypocrites. You bunch of liars. You bunch of changers. You calling me a hypocrite? You're a liar. I know what you were calling it. Don't lie to me. I was there. You were saying it was global warming. Thank God you were saying global warming and not global cooling. Or God would have this thing heated up to hell on fire. Oh, you do. They say global warming, so God got a big laugh out of it and sent one of the worst storms that's ever been recorded down there. Snow up to here. They can't get out of their house. So then they have to say, climate change, climate change. Just take your climate change and get out of my face. I'm not going to conform to the way you talk. I'm not going to conform to the way you walk. And I'm not going to conform to the way you think. But the world wants you to have a conformity to the way they are. And as Christians, we're not supposed to conform to them. We're not supposed to conform to the way they are. You know what? They're different than me and you. I was reading some of this political correctness stuff. And I was reading this about, you know, uh, I don't know about y'all. When we grew up, uh, we used to say, he's a dirty old man. You ever heard somebody call that? Yeah. Dirty old, it's a dirty old man. They want to change that to sexually focused, chronologically gifted individual. <laughs> sexually focused. He's a dirty old man. He's just sexually focused. And you know, we know a garbage... Co- we use this at the city, and me and Joker use this sometimes. We're not garbage collectors. We're sanitary engineers. That's what we are. And they want to change homeless... To residentially flexible individuals. <laughs> so what they want to do is they want to take a word and they want to change it. They want to change a word to make it better. And they think that they, they'll take these words. The way they talk is they think we'll take something that's bad that has a bad uh, bad view. This word makes somebody look bad, and we'll give it a different word, and that'll change. That'll change up. You know, they'll make it. Basically, they want to kind of they want to whitewash things. It's no longer he's a drunk. He's a whiner. He's a bum. He's an alcoholic. When I was, even in my age, when I was growing up, that's a drunk. But we don't say that anymore. He's an alcoholic. And if you go out and you drink too much and you get plastered, you're a drunk. <laughs> I don't care if they call you, you have an alcohol problem. Yeah, it's called being a drunk. You need to clean yourself up. Come to Jesus Christ. Let him clean you up. Stop trying to whitewash all this junk. And it says in verse 5, The king appointed to them a daily provision of the king's meat, of the wine which he drank. They want you to conform to their diet. They want you to conform to what they're eating, what they're putting into their body. Verse 6, Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now those are the, those are the four that, get, that the children get took off. In verse 7, Under whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and of Hananiah of Shadrach, and of Mishael of Meshach, and of Azariah of Abednego. So the world likes to change your name. 
And what the world likes to do, the world likes to give you a name. They like to call you a Bible thumper. They like to call you a religious fanatic. They like to call you a holy roller. They like to give you all those names. But hey, a rose by any other name, it still smells sweet. It don't matter. If you walk like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. You can call me whatever you want to call me, but I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. You can call me a hypocrite. You can call me a hate monger. You can say I'm a homophobe, which is the biggest stupid nonsense I've ever heard in my life. They don't even know the English language. I don't either, but I know what a homophobe is. What's a homophobe? Phobia. Phobia. You're afraid. You're afraid of a homosexual. I'm not afraid of a homosexual. Why are you calling me a homophobe? See, that word don't even make any sense. Just because I think something's a sin don't mean I'm afraid of it. See, they, but they, they want to give you names like that, see? They want to give you names. This was a name that they gave to Daniel and to Shadrach, Meshach, and Bingo. These are the names that they're giving to these guys to change them. This is a religious change. They want to change these guys religiously. And they're giving them names that are tied to their gods. That's why they're changing their names. They want to take away the name that God's given you and give you another name. And you see some of these sports athletes have done that, Amen. Cassius Clay, one of the greatest boxers of all time. I'm now known as Muhammad Ali, so he can you know, so he can dodge the draft. That's the only reason he did that. Now he's Muhammad Ali. It was Lou Alcindor, and then it was now Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Changing their names for religious reasons. You know, Buckwheat he's converted to Islam. Buckwheat he converted to Islam, and now he's cream of wheat. Yeah, amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Verse 8. But Daniel, 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 my God is my judge. My judge is my God. But Daniel, verse 8, proposed in his heart. Now, guys, in closing, as we go through this, I want to show you as we go through these last of these verses that Daniel is a great man of faith. And Daniel's a, there's a great reason why God honors Daniel so much in his word, in Ezekiel. And I read you some of that. Daniel is honored by God because Daniel is a great man of faith. And we can learn a lot about Daniel because you can see how Daniel's, the world is trying to conform Daniel to the way he, they want him to think, the way they want him to talk, the way they want him to walk, the way they want him to eat, they want, the way they want him to address each other. They're trying to conform him. But Daniel being a great man of faith, he's going to start out. And the first thing you need to know about Daniel being a great man of faith is he kept his faith. So what do you mean, Brother Keegan? His house is gone. His parents are dead. His home is destroyed. His homeland is hundreds of miles the other way. His place of worship is gone. Destroyed. His God has destroyed them. He's in a foreign land. He's a stranger in a strange land. And on all of that, as a young man, he kept his faith. He said, you know, God destroyed us. God brought in and destroyed us for the way we did this land. But I'm going to keep the faith. Without a place to worship, it's destroyed. Amen. Amen. So the question I have for you this morning, are you going to keep your faith when they come and take you home? When they come and take your place of worship? When they come and take your pastor? When they come and take your kids? When they come and take your Bible? Are you going to keep your faith? You want to be a great man of God? You want to be a great person of God? You want to be somebody God cares about? Be like Daniel and keep your faith. Daniel did it. Joseph did it. They did it. Job did it. That's what God loves is when somebody, when all the stuff's going on around them and they keep the faith. 
True faith is not believing enough to get healed. True faith is believing enough when God doesn't heal you. Lord, if you don't want me to have this healing, you're God. God, if you want to take my home and take my family and take my place of worship and send me to a foreign land, you're still God and I'm still going to worship you. And I'm going to keep the faith. And Daniel proposed in his heart. He not only kept his faith, he wanted to live his faith, guys. And he put a purpose in his heart. He proposed in his heart. He said, you know what? I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to think like they think or talk like they talk. I want to change. I want to keep my, I want to change and be something for God. I don't want to be changed and be like they are. And he started living his faith. It wasn't enough that he kept his faith, but he was living his faith. He was walking the walk and talk, talk. And he was deciding that he wanted to make, to keep his faith before all this happened. See how it says, he says he proposed, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. He made a decision before all this took place. He goes, you know what? No matter what, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I, he, made, he made that decision in his heart. And if you're a, a young Christian in here, you need, make, you need to make a decision in your heart before, way before you're offered alcohol. Way before you're offered some kind of evil thing to do. You need to make a purpose in your heart that I'm not going to do that. I made a purpose in my heart. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to act that way. I'm going to keep acting like a Christian. You got to make that purpose right now. And pray about it right now and get that stuff settled in your heart. Do like Daniel. He's living the faith. He's made that purpose in his heart. and He's ready before this all happens to do what he's going to do because he's not only keeping his faith, he's trying to live by the faith. In verse, verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Daniel was loved and had tender, and this eunuch had tender love towards Daniel. Why is that? Well, simple. God gave him that. God can work miracles in your life if you'll let him. When you step out for God and you put your neck out for God, God's going to put his neck out for you. When you take a step out for God, God's going to take a step out for you. And it says there in verse 9, now God had brought Daniel into favor. It wasn't Daniel being Daniel. It was God brought Daniel into favor. I'm here to tell you, some of y'all still have your jobs because God's brought you into favor. Some of y'all still have money in your bank account because God's brought you into favor. Some of y'all still have your health because God's brought you into favor. You see how God's behind all that? And we need to acknowledge Him and say, God, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for giving me this promotion. Or thank you for letting me have the things I have. And it's all because of you, Lord, because I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And Daniel said, it says, Daniel, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love of the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse lacking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me danger, endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Daniel, uh, the, the eunuch says, hey, listen, Daniel, if I bring you in and you look worse to the king and I haven't been giving you what he wants me to give you, he's going to cut my head off. And I can't have that. And Daniel says, well, listen to me. Why don't you allow us? Notice what there. He says, allow us. This is another thing you need to know about Daniel. Third Thing about Daniel's faith, you understand, he was a leader of the faith. Daniel's a leader of the faith. He's bringing his three friends with him. He's a leader of these four. There's four of them, and he's leading the pack. He's a leader of the faith. I hate to tell you this, Christian, but there's somebody that's following you, 
It might be your child. It might be a nephew, a cousin. It might be somebody who's 20 years older than you. But somebody's following you in the faith. And how are you leading them? Now you know why it's so important to try to be in church regularly. Try to do those things that prove that you're a Christian. So they'll have an example to look up to. They're not going to find that example on TV. They're not going to find that example at work. You need to be that example. Be like Daniel. Be a leader of the faith. Be the one that prays over his food. Be the one that prays over situations. Be the one that brings their Bible into the different situations. Be the one that's a holy roller. That's okay. But be a leader of the faith. And Daniel was a leader of the faith. He was leading these men. So verse 13, Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as they see it, thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. The last thing about Daniel's faith you need to understand is this. He convinces that eunuch to let him try this out. Daniel was a great ambassador for the faith. Daniel was able as an ambassador of the faith to say, hey, I want to live this way. I don't want to live that way. Give us a chance to try it our way. And then you can look at it and see what you think. See, by reasoning, he didn't yell at this guy. He didn't threaten this guy. He didn't say, I'm going to lock myself in a room and not eat. He said, hey, would you listen to me? Can I ask you a question? He's a great ambassador. And a great ambassador, he speaks grace. He has grace seasoned with salt. He's got sweet words. He's nice. He's kind. Guys, as Christians, we need to be great ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Because there's places y'all are going that you're the only one that represents Jesus Christ to some of these families, some of these co-workers, some of these people at Walmart. The only encounter they're going to have with Christianity is you. Amen. That should scare you. <laughs> no, seriously. You say, why is that, Brother Keaton? Because that puts a lot of pressure on you. Because you know why? There's going to come a day you'll answer to God for that. Amen. This guy right here, he would have accepted me, but now he's burning to hell because of what you said to him. And he knew you were a Christian. Can you imagine what that's going to be like at the judgment seat of Christ? Well, it scares me. It really is sombering. And Daniel, being a great man of faith, he kept the faith. He's living by faith. He's leading by faith. He's a great ambassador for the faith. And God's gave him great favor. And he's going to do this. And he's convinced this guy to let him do this. So let's close up. And at the end of the ten days, the countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of the meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. So after these ten days, he says, he looks up and goes, man, y'all do look better. Y'all actually, y'all not only actually look good, you look better. Your countenance is better. Your appearance is better. So he says, okay, I'm going to allow you to do this. So he allowed him to do that. That was three years. For three years, this is what took place. And then verse 17. And as for these four children, God gave. There's God doing it again. Who gets the honor? God. Who gets the glory? God. Who's given this? God. God gave them knowledge. Okay, get that, guys. So I don't have much wisdom. Ask God for some wisdom. James tells us that. Say, so I'm not very wise with keeping my books. I'm financially kind of stupid. I, I spend money when I shouldn't. Ask God for some wisdom on that. I don't understand what's. I don't understand my Bible. Ask God for some wisdom. You know, I don't know how to heal this up. You know, a lot of times we ask God, God heal me, God heal me. Sometimes we need to pray, God give me the wisdom to know what medicine I need to take or what food I need to stop eating, so I won't have these problems. But God gets the glory either way. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, because you're seeing God's doing this, right? You see God's hand behind all this? As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, that's three years later, that the king had said he should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Now, before I close, I want to say this. It says at the end of the days, guys... When the world's trying to conform you to the way they talk and the way they think and the way they eat and the things they eat and the way they conduct themselves, I want you to look at the end of the matter. You always got to look at the end of the matter. Because at the end of the matter, what did you see? They had a better countenance. At the end of the matter. Pushing on drinking. They keep pushing on alcohol. They keep pushing all this. Have you looked at the end of someone who's done that all their life? You looked at the face of those people? Rolled hard and put up wet? Real wrinkly. You ever been around sinners that have lived a sinful life for years and years? They don't have a baby face, do they? They don't have a countenance that shines, do they? Look at the end of the matter before you start living the way the world wants you to live. Look at the end of the matter. That's what matters. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof, the ends thereof are ways of death. You always look at the end of something. Don't look at the beginning. Look at the end. Verse 19, and the king communed, this is Nebuchadnezzar, communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. Wow. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now, guys, I want to close by saying this. In closing, I want you to realize this. Look at verse 20 and realize this. When you live by faith like Daniel did, when you live by faith like Daniel did, you're going to be ten times better off. Amen. I didn't say it. The Word of God just said it. You see that? You want to be better off in this world? Don't conform to the way the world is. You want to be better off in this world? How much better off, brother? Ten times better off. Not just a little better off, guys. They weren't just a little bit better than these guys. They were ten times better than these guys. They were not better off. They were ten times better off. And if you want to live the world, live in the world, you're going to be ten times worse off. But if you will live like Daniel did and live by faith and keep the faith and be a leader of the faith and say, you know what? I'm not going to conform to the way you talk. I'm not going to conform to the way you think. I'm not going to be a conformist. I'm not, you're not going to force me to think like you think. I'm going to think like God wants me to think. I'm going to live like God wants me to live. God says you'll be ten times better off. Amen. Now this is a man living in faith in a heathen and a corrupt nation that has denied God and worships a false god. How much more can we do that here in America? we still got a Christian nation. And I'm here to tell you, if you'll live like this, you'll be, even in America, you're going to be ten times, ten times, ten times better off. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall at Indian Gap Baptist Church. i got a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? Do you realize the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life? And Jesus Christ encouraged us in John chapter 3, verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Are you saved? Jesus says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Have you believed in the name of Jesus Christ? 
Romans chapter 10 verse 13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you think of a time you called on Jesus Christ to save you? Well, if you haven't, friend, I encourage you to get down on your knees and pray as admit you're a sinner and ask Jesus Christ to save you the best way you know how. And I'm here to tell you that He will save you. Now, if you prayed that prayer or if you'd like to get a hold of us, contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com, IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time, God bless.